welcome to Sunday Sermons from the Williamsburg Community Chapel, brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. Let's grab our Bibles and open up to the books of Habakkuk and Luke, and I'm going to read the first two verses from Habakkuk chapter 1 for us now, as we prepare to hear from lead pastor Travis Simone as he kicks off our Advent series titled, Waiting. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Habakkuk is waiting. He lived during a time when when order was breaking down and violence was breaking out. He says, I cry to you, violence. Likely the king was conscripting men into his army against their will. And thieves likely directed by the king, the king of the king of Israel, by the king. Those thieves were, were seizing land of the men that the king sent to war. Their families were abused and displaced, their property taken over and used to line the pockets of criminals. And so Habakkuk says, destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. When the righteous remnant attempted to intervene and to set things right, Habakkuk observes, the wicked surround the righteous. And there's nothing they can do. Because the institutions meant to promote a a flourishing community were overwhelmed. Habakkuk observes, justice goes forth perverted. Injustice is the new normal. The wisdom of God's word, the lamp under the feet of a people walking a, a dark path, Habakkuk says the law, that wisdom, that Torah, that instruction, the law, it's paralyzed. And that word paralyzed means numb. It's gone numb. It's it's ineffective or, or the people are numb to it. It's become white noise in the background of their society. I recently picked up, as maybe many of you did, out of the mail, the Williamsburg Next Door Neighbor. I always like getting this magazine. It's always interesting things about our community, discovering the people who call Williamsburg home. And this issue on the back is what really struck me. It said this, the back of the magazine. Buy a new home. Feel better about your future. That's the best advice we have for you. Buy a new home. Feel better about your future. Try telling that to Habakkuk. Hey, Habakkuk, buy a new home. Feel better about your future. No, Habakkuk is waiting. He is waiting on God to secure the future. Oh Lord, how Long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear. See, Habakkuk is waiting, and we are waiting. 
We live in a time when order is breaking down and, and violence is breaking out. A new war in Europe opened up just over the past year. Israel battling a terrorist group, Hamas, in Gaza. Order breaking down. Violence breaking out. And while we are eager to see resolution to these world conflicts, our waiting is also quite personal. We're waiting for repentance. When will that person apologize and own what they did to me or own what they did to my family? Maybe we are the person who did the wrong and we're waiting for forgiveness waiting for a phone call where the person we've wronged says, finally, I release you, I forgive you, I'm no longer trying to collect a debt from you. Maybe we're waiting for reconciliation, waiting to rebuild a relationship that once thrived but broke under the weight of human sin, stubbornness, and pride. Maybe we're waiting for someone to come home, a loved one who's deployed with our armed forces, a child who left with a strained relationship with mom and dad. Maybe we're waiting for test results, anxious about what's to come, waiting to get through a difficult season and illness. I, I think we're all waiting with our pastor of care, his wife, Claude and Lee Marshall, waiting to see if the chemotherapy will work, waiting and praying and crying out how long. We're waiting to feel better. We're waiting to be satisfied. We're waiting for depression to lift, for joy to return. We're, we're waiting just to get through Christmas. Nothing on that list goes away when you buy a new home. We are waiting for God to secure our future. How long shall I cry for help? Habakkuk is waiting. We are waiting, and we tend to think about waiting a little bit differently than I believe Habakkuk thought about waiting. We tend to think of waiting as a passive activity, but Habakkuk pushes us to think about it differently. Habakkuk's questions and frustrations are characteristic of something we've studied recently. They're characteristic of the Psalms of Lament. Maybe Habakkuk even took his own words from Psalm 13. Look at Psalm 13 with me, verses one and two. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me. 
And this word from Psalm 13 that I wonder, I just wonder if Habakkuk, the prophet, was meditating, was chewing, was considering these words as he cried out how long. This word wrestling jumped off the page to me. See, what I think Habakkuk does is he turns his waiting into wrestling. He's wrestling with questions. How? Why? He's wrestling with his frustrations. The law, your law, your word, oh Lord, seems paralyzed. Justice is not going forth. He's wrestling with his questions. He's wrestling with his frustrations. You know, wrestling with God, we tend to shy away from wrestling with God, but wrestling's actually a time-honored image in the Bible. This image is actually etched into the name of God's very people. See, in Genesis 32, Jacob, Isaac's son, Abraham's grandson, he he finds himself in a difficult relationship with his brother Esau. He's considering how to approach uh, a, a meeting with him and, and he's wrestling with his thoughts. He's, he's wrestling with his frustration. He's wrestling with what his life has become and ultimately in the middle of the night, he starts wrestling with a man. A mysterious figure appears and, and uh, Jacob is wrestling with him. As the day begins to break, the mysterious figure says, let me go for the day is breaking and And Jacob says, I'm not gonna let you go till you bless me. He's holding on in that wrestling match. The man says, what's your name? And this is quite the embarrassing moment for Jacob because in the Bible, name and nature go together. And Jacob's name means deceiver, literally means grabber, someone who's grabbing at things that don't belong to them, someone who's deceiving people in order to grab at things that don't belong to them. And he looks at this man and says, my name is liar. The man says, from now on, your name will be Israel. Israel, which means one who wrestles with God. That's the name of God's people. That's what Israel literally means. One who wrestles with God. And as the day break and the man fled, Jacob realized that all night he had been wrestling with God. See, wrestling is a time-honored image in the Bible Habakkuk turns his waiting into this active wrestling match with his questions to God, his frustrations, sharing them back to God. And I believe Habakkuk's wrestling invites us to turn our wrestling into waiting. Ask your questions. Share your frustrations. This is what we said lament was was all about. Lament is the act of holding your faith and your frustration together before God. But there's a problem with wrestling. There's a problem with only turning your waiting into wrestling. 
Wrestling is exhausting. And I know this because about 30 years ago and 60 pounds ago, I wrestled for the mighty Cape Henry Dolphins. One season, it didn't last long. One season of wrestling. Do you know how long, you watch a football game on TV, how long is a football game? Three hours. Baseball, they had to put in all these new rules because baseball games were stretching three and a half, 345. Playoff games were over four hours. Do you know how long a high school wrestling match is? Six minutes. Maximum. That's it. All of the training, all of the lifting, all of the running, it comes down to a match that lasts six minutes, three, two-minute long periods. That's how long the periods are. They're two minutes long. It's just too exhausting to do it for much longer. I remember my, my first match, I was a little embarrassed by the singlet, which I believe is the worst name for a piece of clothing ever imagined. (laughs) I had to don my singlet. And for some reason, the way the cheer, where the cheerleaders were sitting and where the bench was, I had to, um, let's just say, saunter by the cheerleaders in my singlet to go check in at the scorer's table. Little embarrassing moment there for me. Stepped out into the ring, into the circle, and and I, I locked arms with my opponent. And I remember thinking in the first 10 seconds, this isn't gonna end well. (laughs) I became acquainted with the smell of another man's armpit. (laughs) My eyes looked into the depths of another man's belly button right there. And I kept losing points, I kept getting taken down. And I was going, this is not gonna end well. And after the first period, two minutes, I am worn out. I am exhausted. Somehow I, I, I take the break, get through the second period. I'm down by like 10 points going into the third period. And uh, if you want to know, the only thing that smelled worse than this guy was when my face was into the mat. And my nostrils got a deep whiff of a high school wrestling mat. Okay, That is the worst smell on planet Earth, high school wrestling mats. And I think I just wanted to get that smell out of my mouth bad enough that that I was infused with enough strength to flip this guy over and I pinned him on my first match and somehow won. But I know this. Thank you, I appreciate it. Love to have those 60 pounds back someday. But I know this. Wrestling is exhausting. And Habakkuk knows this. It's actually in the very first verse of the book where we read the oracle that that the prophet Habakkuk saw. That that caught my attention right away because I thought an oracle that you saw, no, no, an oracle, you hear it. You don't see an oracle. So what's going on here? So I did some work on this Hebrew word. It literally means burden. It's a burden that Habakkuk saw. It's a burden that he was bearing in these difficult moments. Wrestling is exhausting. It's like bearing a burden. 
And so God steps in in verse five to fill out the prophet's understanding of how he should be approaching this season of waiting. And this is in verse five when God steps in. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Listen to these words. They're imperative verbs. They're they're commands that God gives to Habakkuk. Look, open your eyes to see what I am up to. See, give careful, sustained consideration to what you're experiencing. See what's happening around you. And now, interestingly enough, wonder and be astounded. If you're looking at verse five, wonder and be astounded are the same word in Hebrew. It's like this, if you were reading it literally. Astound yourselves and be astounded. That's what God says to Habakkuk. Astound yourselves and and be astounded. The repetition is meant to intensify what's already an intense word. Astound yourself. It's meant to describe someone who is utterly stunned. Look, see, be astounded. What God is saying to Habakkuk is, don't just wrestle, wonder. Don't just wrestle, wonder. See, Habakkuk turns his waiting into wrestling. And then God turns Habakkuk's wrestling into wonder. Don't just wrestle, wonder. And here's what God tells Habakkuk to wonder at. Verse 5b through 11. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, and that's another word for the Babylonians. I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth, to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press on proudly. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff. At At rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth to take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. God says, don't just wrestle, Habakkuk. Wonder. Wonder that I'm about to use the least likely people, the Babylonians, yeah, them, that, that uh, pagan empire, yes, I, God, the God of Israel, I will be using them. I'm going to use the least likely thing. You were upset in verse two, Habakkuk cries out violence. You were upset about violence? Well, look at verse nine, God says they're going to come, and what are they going to come for? Violence. I'm going to use the least likely people. I'm going to do, I'm going to use the least likely thing, violence. I'm going to do it in the the least likely way. You say, well, 
Maybe God's going to convert these people first. Maybe he's going to make them a, a kinder, gentler people. They, they'll come to Israel, usher in a, a time of peace. Um, nope. Look at that last verse, verse 11. Guilty men. I'm going to use guilty men whose own might is their God. It's another level of idolatry that God describes. Typically, pagan nations would, would make idols and, and bow down and worship them. Who, who's the Babylonian idol? Themselves. They worship their strength, their power, their military might. And by the way, Habakkuk, if you want to know how long, uh, look at verse 9. All their faces are forward. In other words, they're looking this way. They're already assembled. They may already be marching. Don't just wrestle, Habakkuk. Wonder at what I'm doing. And so if you'd like to join Habakkuk in this moment, to add some wonder to your wrestling, maybe consider these questions this Advent season. How might God be working in ways I have yet to imagine? How might God be working in ways that I don't like? What surprising or even shocking person might God be using? Ask yourself, what part of God's plan could I be missing? Now, if you want to know how this went, I'm just going to give you a preview of next week's sermon to uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Habakkuk responds, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, the Holy One? And when you ask a rhetorical question like that to God, it kind of has some force behind it. Are you not from everlasting, God? What Habakkuk is saying is, you got to be kidding me, God. No way. This isn't part of your character to do it like this. So maybe a few more questions. Is God powerful enough to do that or use them? Do I believe God is wise enough to work in ways I don't like or understand? Do I trust God enough not only to, to not only wrestle, but to wonder? And lastly, who could help me wonder? Remember, lament is holding your faith and your frustration before God. That first set of questions helps us work through our frustration. The second set of questions is helpful to bolster our faith. And that last question, who could help me wonder, is quite important in Habakkuk. Because if you notice, uh, Habakkuk's complaint is what's called an individual lament. How long shall I cry for help? Habakkuk is upset personally. But when God answers him in verse five, all of those verbs are plural. Saying, Habakkuk, this isn't just for you. And it's for the whole nation. And by the way, I don't think you're gonna be able to work through this alone. So who could help me wonder? Let me just say this. 
in your wrestling, in your wondering, don't do it alone. And that's what biblical community in the church is all about. Not wrestling, waiting, or wondering alone. Please don't do it alone. Talk to a staff member after the service. We'd love to talk to you about getting in a a group so you don't have to wonder what God's up to alone. Don't just wrestle. Wonder. Centuries after Habakkuk wrote, the Apostle Paul is speaking to a group gathered for worship at a synagogue on the Sabbath. And he shares with them the good news about Jesus Christ, that Christ the Savior was born, that Christ the Savior lived, that Christ the Savior died a death on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins, to free them from sin and death. He was raised to life so that when they place their faith in him, they can be raised to new life too. He's telling them this in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 41. This is what he says. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, that's Jesus Christ, through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. From the pain in your soul that will not be freed again from just moving into a new house. Then he says, beware. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe, even if one tells it to you. And Paul looks at this group that he's telling the good news about Jesus. And who does he quote? He quotes the prophet Habakkuk. He says, beware. God used the least likely people, an unmarried couple from Nazareth, this backwater place in Galilee where you'd never expect God to arrive. God used uh, the most unlikely people. Beware, God arrived in the least likely way, a helpless and homeless baby born in a barn whose bed was an animal's feeding trough. Beware, God used the least likely thing, death, on a cross to make the way to new life. Beware, you might not believe it even if you were told. Maybe this morning you're having trouble believing it. You're having trouble believing that God came to you in the person of Jesus Christ and that new life is available through faith in him. If you're having trouble believing, if you're having trouble waiting, if you're having trouble wrestling, if you're having trouble wondering, you're in good company. Zechariah had trouble believing it too. Zechariah, his question to angel Gabriel, it's a, it's a wrestling question. He says, how shall I know this? When Gabriel says, you will be the father of the forerunner to the Messiah, Zechariah uses Habakkuk's question. He says, how? Not how long, but how can I know? 
And then God moves Zechariah from wrestling to wonder through silence. The angel says, because you did not believe, because you did not heed the warning, because beware, you wouldn't believe even if someone told you. And I am the angel Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I am telling you this and you did not believe. The remedy, silence. You must be silent until the child is born. God moves Zechariah from wrestling to wonder through silence. So don't just wrestle and don't just wonder. You're going to need to be quiet this Christmas season, this Advent season. And you learn in Luke chapter 1, verse 62, that it wasn't just that, about, that excuse me, Zechariah couldn't hear. He also couldn't speak. They had to make uh, he had to make signs to them to bring him a writing tablet because he couldn't talk either. He had to be quiet enough to hear God's voice above all the noise. He had to be still enough to see God's plan after the exhaustion of wrestling with his circumstances that his wife, uh, and, uh, that his wife Elizabeth could not get pregnant, that they were barren, they had no heirs. He had to get quiet enough to have enough energy to pick his face up off the mat and look out to see what God might be doing that he could not currently imagine. So what are you waiting for? Has all the wrestling with God, yourself, and your circumstances worn you out? This Advent season, don't just wrestle. Wonder. Thank you for joining us today. Here at the Williamsburg Community Chapel, we are all about making disciples of Jesus Christ. So wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we hope you will take up this call of Jesus to follow me as we consider these disciplines for disciples. 